Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am Kevin Kaufman, your host of the Kevin and Fred Next Level Agents podcast, the real estate podcast that brings you short business tips and tricks, as well as in-depth interviews with some of our industry's leading minds. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's episode. Hey, it's your host, Kevin Kaufman here. You're about to listen to an amazing interview with Jay Thompson, formerly of Thompson's Realty and Zillow. Jay is a super smart guy. He's got a great story and he sure knows how to tell it. Unfortunately, we ran into a few audio problems, so please bear with us. There's a few spots that are a little hard to follow, but if you'll just bear with us, I promise you'll get a ton out of this interview and we'll get Jay back on the show again soon in the future, hopefully go a little bit deeper in some of these stories and just kind of catch up with him uh, for, with life after retirement. Enjoy. Jay Thompson, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Dan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. No problem. It's 100% my pleasure. So, hey, Jay, first of all, th- thank you for coming on uh, today on the podcast and in, in, in next, Inside Next Level Agents and chatting with us. You know, you and I were in the same city for a number of years. Never, I felt like we would always like all these misconnections, like I would see you. I'm like, oh, Jay Thompson's been here. And, uh, you know, I, I felt like I kind of got to know you by reading your blog and whatnot. And then um, always just being around the same people in the industry um finally figured let's get a chance to really talk but might as well just do it and record it as well so thanks a lot for doing that buddy you bet so okay so what i want to start with first jay is there's quite a few people who think of you as the zillow guy those of us who are based in phoenix think of you as the phoenix real estate guy and so how does one become the phoenix real estate guy and turn into the zillow guy tell me about that process so you obviously you sold real estate in arizona you owned a brokerage you're you were an agent and you sold houses too. Talk talk to us about that and that kind of that whole transition, if you don't mind. Um, sure, man. It, just, uh, it goes way back. So uh, got licensed in 2004. Yeah, I got my sales license in 2004. And the the plan from Arizona, you have to be licensed. You can get, uh, but the plan from day one was well, my wife and I will get our sales license. And in three years, we're going to open our own independent brokerage. So that was the plan from day one. Um, and it worked out. Started the Phoenix Real Estate Guy blog in 2005 or so, shortly after I got into real estate. Um, and that was really, I had no, back back then, um, Phoenix Real Estate Guy was not the first real estate blog by any stretch of the imagination, but it was probably, I don't know, one of the first 25 or 50 or so. It was early in the real estate blogging days. And I started that blog just because I have a passion and always have for writing. Um, and it just seemed to make sense. I had no idea if I would be able to take a blog and convert it or make it um, generate leads or contacts. Um, and it didn't. For the first 12 months or so, it was really just a labor of love. Uh, it was a good thing I liked writing because nobody was reading it other than my mother. Um, <clears throat> so can I, pause, but, can I pause you right there? Because you're saying yeah. you're saying something, and I don't know this whole story, so I would like to dig a little bit there, and then we'll kind of go back to that how you, yeah. how you how you move out of that. But okay, so you did that for a year, and it basically didn't produce anything. And you said you didn't know if it would. What was the hope? Hey, this is an outlet for me to write and just kind of put stuff out there about real estate. Or were you hoping this would turn into a lead generator for you at some time? Uh, a little bit of both. I think in the back of my head, I was like, this should be able to generate leads, but that's not really why I started it. It was for me, it was a, it was an outlet. It was a way for me to, writing has always been personally for me, 
just a way to clear my head out, um, put thoughts on paper, and um, just it's good for my head to write. So that was really the whole impetus of starting the blog. But as it went along, I thought, you know, this should be able to generate some leads. Um, and as it turned out, it did. What I did wrong in the beginning that I think most bloggers or content marketers, for that matter, I was a post, and it turns out you've got to jump to beginning to build an audience, get readership, um, get some traction in the search engine. So the more I started writing and adding content to the blog, then the phone started ringing or the email started going off. And I thought, you know, this could, this, this has something, this has certainly has potential to be a lead generation machine. And as it turned out, it was, um, we generated too many leads from the blog that my wife and I couldn't handle. And we were literally just throwing them away. And that's when we decided, you know, we're going to open this brokerage, um, never really intending to hire agents. <clears throat> Excuse me. It was just going to be me and my wife kind of running an independent brokerage by ourselves. But then the blog started to pick up, um, the leads started to come in, and we thought, well, if we if we brought in a couple of agents into the upcoming Thompson's Realty Brokerage, maybe we'll at least be able to push some leads off to them and close some of these things. And that's what we do. We launched the we launched Thompson's Realty in 2007, and um, it took off immediately. Within literally within minutes of me posting on Phoenix Real Estate Guy that the brokerage doors were open, um, some agents picked up the phone and said, "Hey, we want to come work with you." which is really cool. So we never had, we never had intentions to have hundreds of agents. That was not the goal. In fact, people used to tell me all the time, well-meaning brokers would say, Hey man, your business model is not going to scale. You're not going to be able to grow this to a hundred. <laughs> I have previous life and hundreds of people. Just wanted a small brokerage, you know, 20, 30 agents. So that's what we wound up with. It was about 32 agents at our at our peak. Fast forward a bit. Um, the blog was able to get me things like exposure and speaking engagements. I would go to conferences and people would know me because they'd say, hey, you're the Phoenix real estate guy. Um, so it opened up a ton of doors. And one of those doors was getting to know people on the other side of the industry other than agents and brokers. It was tech people and vendors. Um, and people, as it turned out, people at Zillow. And I knew some of the very early Zillow employees. So I always had a relationship, so to speak, with Zillow via the blog. Um, 2012, in the beginning of 2012, you may remember that um, Zillow hired Bob Bemis, who is the uh, CEO of Armless, oh, Armless Ar yeah. the Phoenix MLS system. And Bob was a good guy. So I did an interview with Bob on my blog I'm just, you know, I'm not a journalist. I'm just a, a wannabe writer. And so this isn't, this wasn't hardcore journalism. I was like, hey, Bob, why are you going to Zillow? Who's going to take your place? What are you going to do when you get there? That type of stuff. And you, you usually, or up until that point, every time I wrote something about Zillow on my blog, um, I would get some kind of message from Spencer Raskoff, the CEO there. It'd be like, hey, thanks for the post. We appreciate your coverage. Um, and that didn't happen with my post about Bob Bemis, and I didn't care. That's I didn't write the post about Bob to get Spencer to say something. <clears throat> but it was just a little bit unusual, and it was several weeks, maybe even a couple of months after that post published where I got a private message on Twitter from Spencer. He said, hey, I feel bad. 
because <clears throat> I never thanked you for writing that post about Bob Bemis coming over. And I'm like, hey, Spencer, don't worry about it. You know, it's, it's cool. You're kind of busy. You're the CEO of a pretty big company. You have better things to do than thank some random blogger a thousand miles away. So you know, we're talking back and forth on Twitter. And he said, you should come to, to Seattle and join the fun. And I looked over at my I said, I think I'm up there and working. So I just tweeted, DM Spencer back. I said, don't tempt me with a little smiley face. <clears throat> and I swear to God, 10 minutes later, the phone rang and it was Spencer's admin. And she said, Spencer wants to bring you up to Seattle just to talk to you. Would you be willing to do it? And I'm like, well, sure. My dad lives up in Seattle. Um, I'm like, I'll take a free trip to Seattle and swing by and see my dad and go talk to the people at Zillow. So I thought it was just going to be a casual conversation with me and Spencer. I walk into the Zillow op lobby and somebody from HR walks out and says, here's your schedule. And I look at it and I've got like eight or nine interviews lined up back to back to back to back. <clears throat> I'm here on a job interview. I have no idea what the job is here, but <laughs> let's roll. Um, and we did. And honest to God, Kevin, within within 15 minutes of talking to the people at Zillow, I was like, I started thinking, oh, this is not good because I love this place and what they're doing. I'm a nerd at heart. Um, and that is the ultimate nerd fest. When you walk into the Zillow office and you see people hunched over computers coding, but just the energy in that office was amazing. Um, and I said, these people are doing some amazing things and it looks like a ton of fun. Um, but then I'm like, what am I, I've got a brokerage to run. I can't be dropping everything and moving up to Seattle to work for Zillow. But I did, um, cause they made me an offer. I couldn't refuse. Um, my wife and I had this grand plan. Our daughter was about to graduate from high school. She was going to go to Arizona state. So Francie, my wife was going to stay in Phoenix and kind of manage the brokerage while our daughter went to ASU. And then we'd figure out what to do later. And that lasted about three months. I was in Seattle. My wife was in Phoenix and it sucked. Yeah. Um, just long distance relationship. And I was just like, this is just not going to work. We got to do something. So we can either shut this brokerage down. Um, we can sell it, we can merge it, but we've got to do something to get us back together in the Seattle area. And who's the founder of Oops. All right. Are we there? Yeah, we lost you for a second. Yeah. Um, approached me to conference and said, hey, have you ever thought about merging your brokerage with somebody? And I said, actually, I was just having that conversation a couple of days ago with my wife. Let's go talk. Um, and EXP was a great fit for us. Thompson's Realty had no brick and mortar office presence, right? We were virtual. Um, and just I liked the attitude and I liked the leadership at EXP. I liked their, their, their long-term plan. So I said, you know what? Let's do it. Let's merge Thompson's Realty with EXP. That'll take all the brokerage crap off my wife's plate, um, makes her a team leader, in effect, and then we can be together in Seattle. So that's what we did. And it, as it turns out, it was a great move. Um, wow. I was, I was agent number 95 at EXP, so got there right in the beginning. I don't, you know, I didn't, I didn't know that part of the story. Um, I also didn't realize that you were a virtual brokerage, like that Thompson Realty was a virtual brokerage. I remember... Um, 
I felt like, and I don't know if it's just the people I was connecting with, like Dean and Elizabeth and Shar and so many of the other people that were around you that I, I always seem to find myself around. I, so I felt like, and I also didn't, it was quote unquote only 32 agents because I thought you had a, just a hair, just like an absolute massive amount of agents too at the brokerage. And I remember being surprised going, wow, he left and, and he's, he's going to go work at Zillow. There's got to be something cool. And I could tell obviously because I, I read the blog, I read the Phoenix real estate guy, uh, not, not religiously, but I did read enough. And so I, I knew you were into tech and I wasn't totally surprised that that would catch your eye, but it was still like my perception was like, wow, he's got a really great brokerage going and a really great business. So this thing over here must be pretty amazing to pull you away from it. And so you go to Seattle, you go to work for Zillow. And so tell me what, what was the job that they actually offered you? Like what was the title and more importantly than title, what were your, like, what was your day-to-day responsibilities when you got to Zillow? Yeah. Um, the original title title was director of industry outreach and social media. It's a big giant long mouthful. Um, <laughs> So uh, because I was I, and I think the, the social media in the title was just a nod to me and my love for social media. I never did a ton of stuff down, you know, in the bowels of social media with, with Zillow. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm in Facebook groups. And I'm responding on blogs and mainstream media uh, articles, but I didn't do any daily management of Zillow's social presence, which is huge. Um, yeah. And we've got we. I keep saying we, like I still work there. It's going to take a long time to break that habit. They Zillow has an amazing team of social media experts. I mean, they are world class. Major components that act as liaison, so to speak, between Zillow and the broker agent community. Because I was an agent, I owned a brokerage. Um, the thought being. Hey, this guy's in the trenches with agents. He's got good relationships with tons of agents. Um, let's have him act as kind of a buffer or interface between Zillow and the broker agent community. So that was a big part of the job. The other part of the job, really the other half of it, was to internally within Zillow help Zillow employees understand because Zillow has, Zillow has amazing, and they, but most of the people there have no experience, or, or they, they're not agents, they're not brokers. Um, they're, it's a really young workforce. Like we have these yeah. you know, teams of iPhone developers, and they'll come up with their phone and go, look what we can make the app do. Isn't that cool? And I'm like, being a nerd at heart, I was like, that is really cool, but it will be completely worthless to agents and brokers because it doesn't fit their workflow. It doesn't solve a problem. So that part of the job of helping employees understand how agents and brokers work, how they think, what they need, what they want, um, was super fun. Um, and I think it was pretty valuable. I mean, they didn't, you know, it was cool when I would see some of my thoughts or ideas in get incorporated into the app or the website. Um, and not everything did. They didn't listen to everything I said, but they definitely, well, they, I shouldn't, I should repeat. They did listen to everything I said. They may not necessarily implement every suggestion nobody can but so really it's kind of a two-pronged job act as a liaison between the broker agent community that's primarily in the social space and then internally help train and teach employees and get them understanding how how real estate works that's it pretty was awesome. i loved it that's pretty awesome so I, what i what i just heard too is that you, you were a liaison like the liaison was going both ways you were you were teaching zillow about yeah. the realtor and what we experienced 
every day, just as much as you were going out and speaking to us as realtors and brokers and broker owners and stuff around the country. Um, that's pretty cool. Cause I know that the company was obviously still fairly young. I mean, I, it is still relatively fairly young, um, but it was, you know, it was, it was early on that you did that. And um, man, that's, that's pretty cool story. So tell me, so you recently retired from Zillow. Um, so tell me about that. Like, so you, I perceive like Zillow was your dream job, essentially your dream job, combining your love of, of tech and real estate uh, and all that into one. And then, so you just recently retired, and and I know the at least I at least I think I know the reason why, but I'd love for you to tell us like what was it that got you to say, hey, you know what, it's time it's time for the next phase of my life. Sure, um, that's a hard question because to be honest, I'm not real sure. Um, the job I had at Zillow was super stressful. Okay, I mean it really was. Saw in. Okay, I asked for Christmas. I think it was Christmas. What do you want for Christmas? This would have been almost two years ago now. And she said, I want you to retire. And I'm like, well, I can't retire for several reasons. One, um, I don't know what I would do with my time if I retired. And two, I don't know that we can financially afford to stop working. Um, but we started looking at it and I started thinking, what could I do if I retired? And the options are, are limitless, right? I can... I love to write. I like to take photos. That's my kind of creative side. Um, I love to travel. Um, so it's just I started thinking of all these things that I could do if I did indeed retire. And then so we started looking at the financial side of it. Um, Zillow has a great 401k program. Um, so that was helpful. And we're not going to get obviously get too much into the personal finance side of it. But I spent over 20 years prior to real estate in uh, semiconductor manufacturing. I worked for Motorola and Intel making computer chips and have a pension coming, like a good old-fashioned traditional pension plan. Um, wow. That, um, that is not, it's, that alone is not enough to retire on. But when you look at the pension plan that's coming due, um, when you look at Social Security, and then I'll be I'll be open and honest. I when we merged our brokerage with EXP Realty, um, we got uh, a lot of stock options. And for years, that EXP stock was just doing nothing. It was trading. It wasn't even trading on Nasdaq. It was trading on the pink sheets um, at literally pennies a share. Um, when we merged our brokerage with EXP back in 2012, I looked at my wife and I said, you know, this, these stock options and this little piece of equity um, could either be very valuable or it'll be completely worthless and who yeah. knows and that's not why we merged the brokerage we literally merged our brokerage with vxp because it was time for my wife and i to get physically back together um but that was certainly part of it and as it turns out as you know the exp stock started to take off and um the next thing i know when i looked at everything and we've had a financial planner or financial advisor for years um and we went to him with the with the latest um report on our exp stock options and he's looking at it and he's like what's your goal and i said well my goal is to retire preferably i was 57 at the time i'm 58 now i said i'd like to retire if possible before i'm 60 and certainly before 65 because i was just tired i just didn't really want to work every day day after day seven days a week anymore and he does his thing he does his financial planner thing punching numbers in the spreadsheets and software or whatever and he goes you can retire today if you want to. And I'm like, no, I can't. And he's like, he shoves the papers over and he goes, yeah, you can. If, you know, if you're, 
if you're pre-in, you, you know, don't just go hog wild crazy. And start with a lot of money, um, so they have to go back to work. That is not going to happen to me, um, but we're we're doing okay. Um, we, you know, the EXP stock was not, you know, it didn't put us anywhere remotely into the filthy stinking rich category. It didn't put us into the barely rich category, but it gave us enough when pencil sweet. I have to work. Now, I do have a bit of work on the side that I do, mostly for fun, but it also some supplemental income stuff. I'm writing a column for Inman. Uh, There's very little. Um, I shoot photos that I've got hanging in a coffee shop in downtown Edmonds, Washington, that um, basically pays for my coffee. Dude, your photos are awesome, man. I love your Instagram page. So I could imagine like some of your other stuff that you're taking. Like you, you take some great photos. Thanks. It's a it's a passion of mine. And, you know, I always. always I always, all my life, I wished I could draw. I don't know why, but it's always fascinating me. When I watch people draw, they make it look so easy. And I can't draw a freaking stick figure with a ruler. I mean, I just can't do it. But that's kind of a creative outlet. The photography and the writing um, is the artist in me. Um, and it's a blast. And it's really cool when you have, uh, when I walk into the coffee shop, I've got one wall. They do, like, they have local artists that display their crap in the coffee shop. But when I walk in there and I see a hole, you know, where, a, where an image used to be, I'm like, oh, someone bought another picture. It's kind of a really cool feeling to know that someone walks into the store and sees your art hanging on the wall and goes, I like that. And I'm going to spend money for it. That is uh, not a lot cool. of money, but uh, it's cool. That's awesome, man. So, hey, not to go backwards too much, but so you, you mentioned like, you know, working seven days a week and kind of being tired. But it was something that you love doing. But I know that there's a part of the job that was also very stressful and, and tiring because as the guy at Zillow who was is a realtor, was a broker, owner, et cetera, there's still part of the industry that goes, yeah, well, Zillow's bad, right? Yep. Those guys are yep. out to get us or, or, or whatever the thought process is. Um, and so was it because of like dealing with those conversations and how, how do you deal with that internally? And, and I guess the other question I wanted to get to is, Let's say I'm that guy, right? I'm I'm saying, hey Jay, I don't understand. I feel like you're working for the opposite side. What what do you say to somebody who who approaches you with that kind of mindset, but is actually willing to have a conversation and not just you know call names, et cetera? Yeah, yeah, those are all great questions. Um, it it, it was hard. It was super stressful. Um, I do want to stress the point that I didn't I didn't quit my job at Zillow. Right, I retired. There was a difference. Um. I, you know, I knew as soon as I was going to announce my retirement, people are going to say, oh, you know what? He finally caved. He can't take it anymore. He can't take the heat. Um, that really wasn't it. And believe me, I got a lot of shit from people um, online. But, um, I mean, that was part of a big, giant decision process. attacked at times. Attack at the time. I started Zillow like literally three weeks after I started Zillow. I had a heart attack, and it was a—I mean, no heart attack is small, but this was a big one. Um, easily could have killed me. Weeks, just a few weeks after I came back from that, some idiot sends me an an email message from some stupid made-up email like Zillow sucks at gmail.com and says, and I quote, "Why don't you do us all another favor and have another heart attack? Maybe next time the results will be different." I was like, holy crap, this person's basically just said, oh, who says drop that? dead. Um, 
there was there's a bunch of other ones. The one that really sets me off though, someone um, messaged or tweeted or something, commented on Facebook. I don't know where it was, and they said, "I can find out where your pretty little daughter works and take out my frustrations on her." Okay, I'm a father first and foremost, and when you talk about my daughter like that, I am ready to literally kill you. Yeah. Uh, now that person had the police called. Zillow takes those kind of comments and threats very seriously, as they and. Should. As they should. And so that person got a little call from the, got a knock on the door from the police. Some other moron commented on an Inman article. There was an Inman article about Zillow. And so this is a public article and it uses Facebook commenting, right? So their names attached to their comments. And this was like days after a school shooting. Some guy goes on an Inman article and says, I'm super frustrated with Zillow. Maybe I should just load up my Smith and Wesson, drive to Seattle and point it at somebody's head. Now, you can't go on a public site literally two or three days after some tragic school shooting and say, I'm going to take a Smith & Wesson into the Zillow offices and point it at somebody. That one got another call from the cops. So anyway, all that kind of crap was out there. But what I would tell, and I did get a lot of people say, you're, you're a shill, you sold out the industry, you know, you, your brokerage must have sucked or you wouldn't have left it to go work for Zillow, blah, blah, blah. But I did get some people that genuinely said, I don't, you know, I don't get it. Help me understand what was, what's the attraction? Why, why Zillow? Why did you, why did you give up your brokerage and do that? And there's tons of reasons for it. I mean, some of them are personal family related. My father lives in a suburb of Seattle. He's getting old. He's not getting any younger. Um, and I wanted to be around him. Um, the timing was good for us personally because my youngest daughter was about to graduate from high school and go off to school. So we were about to be empty nesters. Um, I am, uh, I'm an army brat. My dad was a career army officer. So I moved constantly when I was a kid. So I kind of have this wandering spirit. Um, and it was really hard for me to be locked down in one location in one job because I'm just used to all my life wandering around. And then it's just the opportunity at Zillow. I use a crappy sports analogy. You got some football team, right? That's sucked forever. And they draft some stud running back or quarterback. And the next thing you know, two years later, the team's in the playoffs because their game because they were being my game because it is full of superstars. Um, some of the brightest, uh, intellectually brightest people I've ever met in my life. And I'm, I think I'm a pretty bright guy. But when I sit in some of these satin meetings at Zillow, I'd be like, holy crap, these people are on it whole different level of intelligence. So I'm like, I'm just going to sit back in the corner of the room. Don't call on me. I just want to absorb it. So Zillow was a way for me to raise my game um, and to learn a ton about the other side of the industry, the non-sales side. And it was just a perfect match. So that's what I tell people. I'm, I went to Zillow to learn, to share, to try to help Zillow and to try to help agents. Um, sounds kind of Pollyanna-ish, but that's what I wanted to do is help people. And as a broker, I was able to help, you know, 20 to 30 of my agents. As an employee of Zillow, I feel like I was able to help hundreds to thousands of agents. And I mean, just the scale thing. And I like to help people. And so that's that's why I did it. And that's why I don't regret for a second moving, doing, going to Zillow. I don't regret for a second retiring either, though. I miss the people and I miss the challenges at work. But I'm having a blast in retirement, too. Dude, that's awesome. I'm, I'm actually having a blast watching you like with your uh, with your travel uh, and some of the pictures that you take. Uh, yeah. So, you know, let me go back to something because some of those some of those stories you just shared 
those are harsh. Yeah. And quite frankly, I want to go kick somebody's ass after hearing some of the things that was said to you. Um, but my question is around what what dri- what is it that drives somebody to say something like that? Like you don't just say something like that because you're because you got upset yesterday. You know, there there's something that that sparked, right? There, there was something yep. inside them and maybe it was a fear or some other emotion. Do you, you know, having dealt with so much of this over the last six and a half, seven years, do you have any inclination as to what you think that is that really drives uh, the unfortunate outward behavior towards yeah. you and other um, That's a great question. It's super hard to answer. I think, I think it stems, a, a lot of it goes back to, um, the founder, the founder, the two founders of Zillow, Rich Barton and Lloyd Frank, um, they also started Expedia, right? Years before Zillow came around, Rich and Lloyd founded Expedia, which um, was a large part of watching the travel agency industry get cratered. Um, they brought Expedia online, then other travel sites started coming online. Spencer Raskoff, the current CEO of Zillow, founded Hotwire, also a travel site. And I, I remember back in 2006 when Zillow launched, I was a uh, an agent, hadn't even started Thompson's Realty at the time. And literally within days, if not hours, of Zillow launching, people were starting to say, these guys are out to get us. Look what they did with Expedia to the travel agency industry. They're going to do the same thing to real estate agents. And that baggage, I think, has carried over for the last 12 years, I think there's still a lot of fear and misconception amongst the agent and broker community that Zillow is out to eliminate real estate agents. And believe me, nothing could be further from the truth. First of all, Zillow gets about 72% of its revenue from agent advertising dollars. So it makes zero business or financial sense for any company to eliminate 72% of their revenue source. That just doesn't, the number, the, the math doesn't work. Um, but I know more so than most people because I sat and walked the halls of Zillow how what, how much of a focus real estate agents are. You can't go into a meeting at Zillow and not hear talk about how does this help the agent? How does this help the broker? How does this help team members? How does it help team leaders? Um, agents are constantly in the forefront of Zillow's thoughts internally, as are the consumers. Now, publicly, Zillow has said many times that consumers are their North Star and that they focus everything on the consumer, which I think they should do. Uh, I think real estate needs to do more of that. Shouldn't all of us have, should that be the North Star for every company on the planet, including realtors? Absolutely, 100%. But a lot of agents will go, oh, they just focus on the consumer. We're the ones that write Zillow's check. They should be focusing on us, blah, blah, blah. And Zillow does focus on the agent, but the consumer is the driving force. And let's face it, Zillow's, Building or has built a platform to connect real estate agents to consumers. The advertise put agents to to close the deals. Blah blah blah. I get all that, but I think Zillow's biggest the, the thing that gets most agents sets them off about Zillow is it really does seem to harken back to that roots in from the founders in the travel industry and what happened to travel agents. Um, there's no question that there's downward pressure on pressure on commissions. It's been happening forever. Um, and I think people, it's just fear. It's fear. So many agents have fear and misunderstanding of what Zillow is, 
what they do and what their goals are. And a big part of my job there was try to reiterate, look, so it's not out to eliminate you. They want to help you, um, but it's a constant battle. Um, however, I will say, and I used to say it, I said it when I worked at Zillow, um, the haters are a vocal minority. Um, they tend to be loud and they tend to uh, talk in a lot of different places because that's what angry, bitter people do. Um, I mean, you go read any review site, Yelp or Google reviews, where the reviews float to the top, it's always the pissed off people. Um, Whatever it is, you don't talk about it. I can tell you from personal experience, every single time I would go to any kind of real estate event, a conference or whatever, somebody would approach me and go, you're that guy that works at Zillow, right? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, I just want to thank you for what Zillow has done for my business. Um, and a lot of times their spouse would join in going, he needs to buy more advertising. Without Zillow, I had dozens and dozens of people tell me that Zillow saved their real estate career um, allowed them to pay for their kids to go to school. I mean, I'm getting all this feedback personally. And I'm like, why don't you people jump online and help me out when I'm getting <laughs> slaughtered out there with some of your success stories? And some of them would, but a lot of them, I, I flat asked several people, I said, could you share that story online? And people look at me, Jay, I don't want to wade into that shit, right? I don't want to get beat up. I don't want to, I, I don't have time to deal with it. I'm too busy running my life and running my business. I don't want to get drugged into that nonsense on Facebook. Um, and so that's what happens. They, we have, we, Zillow has raving fans, raving fans. They just don't tend to be as loud and vocal as the detractors. And they probably yeah. never will be. Listen, I'm taking this quick break to invite you personally to our conference, Next Level Agents Live, next April 25th and 26th in Las Vegas, Nevada. That's April 25th and 26th, 2019 in Las Vegas, Nevada. Please join us for the industry's top speakers. I promise this will be the number one educational real estate event of the year. You do not want to miss it. You can get all of the details and buy your tickets today at nlalive.com. That's nlalive.com. Buy your tickets today. You know, I, I want to move on to a different topic, but before I do, I, I just something I want to add. Um, it's it's my belief, right or wrong, indifferent, doesn't matter, that Zillow actually has the number one consumer brand in all of real estate. So it doesn't matter what you know segment, if we're talking about a brokerage or not, Zillow, to me, by far has the number one brand. And I can't help but feel that's because of the relentless focus on the consumer experience. Absolutely. And, and again, I feel like a lot of us as as agents, as brokers, broker owners, if that was our focus, we'd maybe a little further down that path as well, if that was truly our, our focus. Um, so anyway, thank you for sharing that. So what I want to shift, because you've got a wide range of experience, Jay, from selling and owning a brokerage and, and the blogging really early on and obviously working at Zillow and traveling and meeting so many different people, is in today's environment. So we're going to hit be hitting 2019 by the time this is released, you know, this, uh, I'm a new agent or I'm just an agent, maybe younger in my career. I mean, what's your advice for an agent these days to not just survive, but to like truly make it and make a career out of selling real estate in the environment of, of 2019? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. And you know, a lot of times I fall back to my standard pat answer, answer your freaking phone. Um, it is, shocking to me to this day 
uh, how often that doesn't happen. Zillow reported fairly recently, and Realtor.com reported the same number just months apart from Zillow. Roughly half of the people, half of the consumers, when they click contact an agent on Zillow or Realtor.com or probably any website, 50% of the people click that button and never hear a word from the agent. That is 50%, half. And these are people that are paying for the leads. They're writing a check every month, sending it off to Zillow and Realtor.com, and they're not answering the leads. And I don't know, I don't know why. Zillow, we used to just literally bang our heads on the tables going, what is it going to take? And Zillow's made a lot of changes to their product, and so has Realtor.com, to try to raise that level. Because what happens is, yes, people, consumers go to a site like Zillow, and they, they don't understand the nuances of real estate. They don't get the difference between a listing agent and a buyer's agent or an advertising agent. Many times consumers click a button and they think that they are talking to a Zillow agent, uh, which I know drives a lot of real estate agents nuts, but Zillow has built the brand and built the platform. It's just what you said. It is a widely recognized brand. You stop Joe consumer on the street and say, name a real estate company, any real estate company. And odds are pretty good that that consumer is going to say Zillow before they say Remax or Keller or Century 21. They're going to say Zillow just because that's what they've become familiar with. Anyway, the fact that half of the agents out there that are paying for contacts aren't picking up the phone and calling contacts is pretty telling. Um, but I think with a new, I don't think Zillow is the right solution for a new agent. Um, you've got to have systems and processes in place to make immediate response, to follow up on leads, and that's not something a new or beginning agent is good at. Um, I think new and beginning agents, the most important thing they can do is have a good mentor, whether that's their broker or somebody in their office. I don't think this industry does enough to to work closely with new agents and to kind of bring them in. So our first broker's office, um, and I went there because some friends were with them, and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know where to start, right? I have this real estate license. The ink's not even dry on it, but I don't know where to start. He scrambles around under his desk, reaches out, pulls out a phone book and throws it on the desk. He goes, there's every lead you could ever want in the phone book. And I'm like, oh, I'm just not a cold caller, right? And I've got no problem with people that do it. I'm not some anti-cold call guy. I'm just not good at it. I suck at it. Um, but the key is, the key to success in real estate ultimately is is prospecting, right? It's a prospecting business. A friend of mine said years ago, I love this statement. She goes, the thing with real estate is every day you wake up unemployed. And that's a pretty telling statement, right? Because if you have a contract today, you're still not going to get a paycheck. Um, so you have to prospect, 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 prospect constantly in real estate. And I think a bunch of new agents don't understand that. And I think a bunch of experienced agents don't understand that. <clears throat> now, whether you're, <clears throat> excuse me, whether you're prospecting is online, in person, <clears throat> door knocking, cold calling, um, I, I don't, it doesn't matter, but you've just got to do it. So my advice to incoming or newish agents and even experienced agents would be find some type of prospecting that you're comfortable with, right? If you hate the telephone, and you hate getting cold calls, you're probably going to suck at being a cold caller, right? 
I am personally far more introverted than most people realize. Most people think, oh, this is this guy's huge on social. He goes to parties. He likes to hang out. I am way more introverted than most people realize. Um, I am mortified at the thought of knocking on some stranger's door and initiating some conversation. <laughs> it can be wildly successful, but I can't do it. And I, people need to understand that if you don't like doing something, you're just not going to do it. That's human nature, right? I suck at knocking on doors. I don't like cold calling. So if I were to try to force myself into those prospecting streams, I would fail miserably. I like to write, so that's what I did. I wrote on the blog and used that as a form of prospecting. Um, so you, new agents need to understand prospecting. They need to understand their damn contracts and paperwork. It's frightening them to me to this day how many people will ask a question online in some Facebook group, you know, what about this situation? And I'm like, it's right there in line 206 in your contract. It's been there for 10 years. The answer to your question is in the contract. So. You've got to understand your paperwork. You got to find a mentor and you got to find a prospecting system or method that you want. Cool. So, um, so let's go on now. I'm going to, I'm going to ask a, a similar question, basically the same question, but I'm a more experienced agent. I'm an advanced agent. Maybe a bit, maybe I've already made a career out of this and I'm, I'm not really, it's not like I can't pay my bills or I'm not gonna be able to get off the ground. I've got a consistent flow of income, but I'm the agent now that is going, okay, it's 2019, things are changing fast. You mentioned the downward pressure on commissions earlier. What do I do to sort of not, at least protect my business and my income for the foreseeable future, but as well as grow it if that's what I wanna to do too? Yeah, um, that's a good question. That's a really hard one to answer. I'm a big fan of multiple revenue streams. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that as an agent, you need to get into title or lending. Um, you're probably not going to do that as an individual agent. But um, I, one of the smartest personal financial decisions I did was to put every penny that I could into Zillow's 401k program. Um, agents need to understand that there's a future out there. Now, a lot of people go, oh, I don't, I'll never retire from real estate because I love it and I can sell real estate when I'm 75 years old, which is true. But do you really want to do that? Do you want to have to do that, right? If you're financially secure and you just enjoy selling real estate and meeting people, then it's a fabulous way to make some supplemental income in your golden years, so to speak. But I don't know. People need to understand, you know, you can justify it in your head all you want. Well, I love real estate and I can sell it until I'm 90 years old. That's a beautiful thing about real estate. True fact. But people need to realize that you, you don't you don't really want to work up until the day you die. Do you? I mean, I don't think you do. Um, at least I didn't. Um, some people maybe. Um, I would probably tell a senior person. Again, it really does go back to prospecting. Ultimately, that's what everything is. And I think the more senior or at least seasoned a person is, I would have people come up to me and go, 100% of my business is based on Zillow or Google or Facebook or pay-per-click, whatever it may be. The words 100% of my business Scary. should never be associated with, with one thing. You should never say that. Um, that's just a bad idea. Um, 
not that Zillow's going away, not that Google or Facebook's going away, but all it takes is one guy at Facebook to flip the switch on some algorithm and you're all your 100% of your marketing is now worthless. Um, you're relying on other people, whether whoever those other people are, um, you can't put all your eggs in one basket. That's a super, super bad idea. Um, and I think the better agents and better teams out there get that and they understand, you know what, I need multiple lead gen streams. Um, that is super, super important. Some are scalable and some are not, right? If you use Zillow, for example, or Realtor.com or whoever, internet leads, you can scale that simply by writing bigger checks. Um, that's not always feasible for people to do. Um, some other uh, prospecting streams are not so scalable, right? You can only knock on so many doors in a day, right? There's only 24 hours in a day. You can only have so many conversations in a day. I don't know how you scale something like door knocking or I guess you can scale cold calling by getting a multi-line dialer and this and that. So there's little ways you can do it, but diversifying and having different lead gen streams, I think is hugely important and people get comfortable. And you get too comfortable and start and the next thing you know 100% of your business is coming from one lead gen source then you you made a mistake and you need to back up and and look at doing other things as well does that make sense totally yeah and you know I would completely agree and I, I don't know if it's just because of where I was taught and kind of came up through the industry um, but you know Gary being being my first real mentor inside the business um, had always said like never let your current business get in the way of new business and he wasn't right. saying don't be consumer focused because that is absolutely not his message, but his message was generating new business or prospecting as you just called it is of utmost important and it must be done every single day if we're going to survive. Because as your friend said, we wake up every morning virtually unemployed and we've yeah. got to go out and get a new job today. Yeah, every day, day awesome. after day. But you've also got to take some personal time as well. I see too many real estate agents and brokers working seven days a week, 12, 15 hours a day, that's just simply not healthy. And I'm not a health nut. I did have a heart attack, and that kind of was an eye-opener for me. Um, people, you've got to take some time off. There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean you're weak or worthless. Um, that whole work-life balance thing, it's a cliche, but it's super important. It really is, man. Uh, and for, you know, for what it's worth, before I go into my last question for you, I remember um, you were in Phoenix when you had your heart attack. I remember you posting yeah. on Facebook, moments before your heart attack happened. Uh, and I don't know if it was just a, a few moments or if it was an hour, but I remember seeing your post on Facebook uh, right before your heart attack and then just following through. And I just remember thinking like, holy, quite frankly, holy shit. Like, Jay, I, I really, it was scary. As somebody who I hadn't even connected with you in person yet, but you, we were part of the same community. It was scary and to, to know how loved you were by so many of people that I that I like and I'm, and I'm friends with, um, I mean, that was a scary thing. And I remember, you know, watching you, you know, obviously make a lot of changes and and making sure you recovered from that quite well so you can be there for your family. So hats off to you. I don't think I've ever shared that with you. I think that's awesome. Thanks, and one of the things I've always admired about you, man. Um, all right. So my last question, and I ask every guest this, Jay, and uh, it is simply this. So somebody comes to you for advice. It doesn't matter. It could be an agent, could be a kid, could be a friend. Um, and they just want some advice uh, doing better. And doing better could look like doing better at life, doing better in business, doing better in their relationships. But what are your top three pieces of advice for just kind of kicking more ass? 
Yeah, you froze up. White catch the question. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, so, what are your top three pieces of advice for kicking ass in yeah. life, just in general? Um, oh, that's a good question. That's a tough one. This is going to sound probably going to sound kind of weird. Um, I think one of them is reading, and I, reading is I've learned so much. I'm a I used to be a voracious reader, um, and I got started doing too much work. I'm starting to get more back into it as I retired. And I don't mean just reading, you know, Vaynerchuk's latest business book or, you know, whatever. Um, business books are important, but reading anything, whether it's business books, the news, um, fiction, nonfiction, biographies, it doesn't matter. You learn so much by reading. I'm a big fan of readers. Um, um, all my family reads. Um, I just think it's super important. And I think it's kind of a, a lost art. I think people are so busy these days. They're like, well, I can't, you know, I can't whip out an iPad or a reader and sit here and read for an hour. Um, that's not productive. I think it's super productive. I think it's a great way to open your mind. It's a great way to learn. It's a great way to improve your vocabulary. Um, communication is such an important part of today's world and be that in person speaking communication being able to publicly speak, um, being able to write coherent sentences. Um, I was thrilled when my daughter, for example, decided to get into going to journalism school, not because I wanted her to be a reporter. That was never her desire. But journalism school provides such a strong communications foundation, and the whole world is about communication. So believe yeah. it or not, I one of the things that helps me communicate better is by reading a ton. So that's one thing you got to do. Um, Taking personal time, taking time to do nothing, um, while it seems counterproductive, um, is super, super important. I live about two blocks from the Puget Sound, the big cold body of water, but we have little beaches. They're rocky beaches. They're not like the beaches in Hawaii. But every day I go down to the beach, and there's a rock down there that is shaped perfectly like my butt. Um, <laughs> it's like a custom-made chair for me. So I sit on that rock. And I literally watch the tide go in and out. I'll sit down there for an hour. I turn. I don't do anything except look at the water and watch the waves and listen to the birds. And people, I'm sure, go, wow, what a huge, colossal waste of time that is. And it is anything but a waste of time. It helps center you. It gets your head clear. It gets your body clear. Um, I don't want to sound like some health nut because I'm clearly not a health nut, but having that heart attack definitely opened my eyes. Um, I used to eat like crap. I never exercised. I smoked like a chimney. Um, all that stuff is different now. And I'm, I still don't exercise enough. I still don't eat. Is on serving your wife or your kids or that's so important. Um, that if I had chilled out more before my heart attack, I may never have had it. I don't know, but like that was a terrifying event, right? There is nothing that will wake you up more than having a doctor look you in the eye and say, You're having a heart attack, we're gonna take you back and try to fix it. And I'm thinking in my head, try. Okay, well, if you're not successful, what's the result of that? I'm dead. Um, so that was a huge eye opener. So you've got to take that personal time. And sometimes that personal time involves doing zero, nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, three things. So I got reading, I got taking personal time. 
I'm going to come back to, I harp on it, but I got to come back to focusing on the consumer, putting the consumer first ahead of you. Um, I don't, I don't understand. And it's not just real estate, any business that deals with the public. If the consumer is not your North star, um, I don't know how you succeed. Um, but it, there's, to me, there's a frightening amount of, in real estate of me, 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 it's all about me. It's my data. It's me, 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 and not you, 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 the consumer. Just the simple thing is reading agents about me pages, right? Whether it's on their Zillow profile, their website, their Twitter bio, those bios, 90% of the time focuses on the agent, right? Not what the agent can do for the consumer. Um, we as a collective real estate agents industry, I think have lost our way in understanding just how important the consumer is. Buying or selling a home is the is expensive, it's infrequent, it's scary, it's complicated, it's it's a messy situation, and it's one of the biggest, it sounds cliche, but it's the biggest financial transaction most people will ever make in their lives. Um, you've got to focus on serving that consumer and not just filling out the paperwork the right way. Um, providing world-class customer service, that is what's going to separate if you provide world-class customer service, you don't have to worry about Zillow and Redfin and Purple Bricks and discount brokers and everything else. Focus on the freaking consumer and provide them an unbelievable experience in buying or selling a home and to hell with what all those other people are doing. You don't even have to worry about it. So that's a long, rambling, hopeful Dude. answer to your question. Number three, you just gave the best piece of advice to ever, any realtor ever uh, right there. And so I hope you were listening, take note of that, rewind, listen to it again, because uh, in about one minute, Jay just gave you the best piece of advice you could ever get. So Jay Thompson, thanks so much, man. I super appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to connecting again. And uh, thanks for your time today, buddy. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a blast. We'll do it again sometime. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. I'll see you soon. That's it for today's show. Do me a favor if you enjoy this, go over to iTunes or wherever you're listening at, leave us a review, share this episode with your friends. And for more great content, check us out in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash next level agents. That's facebook.com forward slash groups next level agents. See you soon.